Despite identical conditions to last week's 24-0 win over Cardiff Blues at the AJ Bell, Sale left a very damp Cardiff Arms Park empty-handed on Sunday, losing 14-6 in the second half of their home-and-home series with the Welsh team. That loss, combined with Leon's victory over two, uh, to lose earlier in the weekend, now leaves the Sharks bottom of their Challenge Cup pool with two rounds left to play. Joining me to discuss Sale's tumultuous European journey is, well, actually this week is just James. Alex is... Uh, is occupied studying to be an accountant, so it's uh, it's just me and James on the pod this week. James, how are you doing? Yeah, very good, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. And for those of you who are worried about Alex's potential absence from the podcast having a disruptive effect, he has recorded his uh, much vaunted stats segment for us to include later on. Uh, so listen out for that. But James, well, where do we start? I mean, did you uh, did you catch any of the game on uh, on Sky Sports Action, as it's now called? Yeah, I did. I, I caught some of the game. To be honest, it was uh, reasonably difficult to watch, and uh, there was uh, a few other things on on other channels. Um, plus, I had strictly recorded it from the night before, and um, you know the game was so so poor that I was struggling to make the case to, to the misses to keep it on. Um, so yeah, I only caught I, I caught probably about sixty minutes of it, and, and frankly, that was probably enough. Yeah, I think it's I think it's an indictment of, of where the Challenge Cup stands in the pecking order of European rugby in that I mean I had the option to watch watch the game on a stream and to be honest I just kept Clermont Saracens on because I thought <laughs> I was following it on Twitter and I thought, you know what? By the sounds of it there's nothing happening. It was like three three at half time or whatever. So I thought, you know what? I'll just keep Clermont Saracens on and watch it, watch the highlights afterwards. Interesting to know actually that when I watched the highlights after the game uh, at the time, I think it was a Monday Monday morning. Uh, five people had watched it on the uh, on the European Challenge Call website. It literally had a little views counter at the bottom, and it said five. Um, so I don't know what that says about sale. I don't know what that says about the conditions. Um, but yeah, I mean, let, 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 let's start from the top then. I suppose, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, I mean, sale and our bottom of the Challenge Cup group. They are uh, on seven points with Toulouse in third on eight. Leon in second and nine, and Cardiff at the top with thirteen. There's, there's still two games to go, but do you think this is the end of Sale's Challenge Cup campaign, or is there life in it yet? I think we need a lot of luck now. We need to win the last two games, probably with bonus points to stand a chance of going through. Um, I was a little bit surprised when I saw the team sheet uh, before the game. I thought this was a one-off opportunity to go to Cardiff and, and beat uh, what I what I consider to be a reasonably average side. Um, even with, with the returning Josh Navidi, etc. Um, and uh, we had the podcast last week and I, I honestly thought that we would send the first choice side and we, we didn't and I think that's why we came up just short and it was just short. I mean, and we, we just scraped over the line with a one-point win in very poor conditions. You know, I think we all could have been pleased and looked forward to the last two games. As it stands, I think it's now unlikely that the three teams above us will perform significantly worse than, than us to allow us to come top of the group. Yeah, it was quite interesting looking at that team sheet. Uh, Sam, uh, no AJ McGinn or James O'Connor. Sam James started at 10. Uh, I believe, was it Mark Jennings was the late dropout, which put Denny Solomon into 13. Uh, James, yeah. James Flynn got a rare start. Uh, George Knott got a start, along with Bryn Evans in the uh, in the second row. Uh, and Paulo Adogru uh, made, a, made a longer way to return um, off uh, uh, at uh, 14, I believe, in place of Solomon. But obviously... Throwing a dog roo into a game like that is probably uh, indicative, along with all the other changes, that this was a game that Sale was sort of using as a, a bit of a practice, a bit of a rest opportunity for for the likes of De Klerk and McGinty and O'Connor, who didn't uh, who didn't who didn't get it wrong. Do you think it was the wrong decision then? 
Uh, well, I, I was surprised at first just because I thought, well, we've got a real chance of actually progressing now in this tournament with the win in Cardiff. And I think, you know, if you can keep your options open, considering how comp- competitive the Aviva Premiership is uh, for the top six, you know, a good run in the in the Challenge Cup could see us um, qualify if, if we won that competition. However, I did think about it a little bit more afterwards, um, especially around the De Klerk and O'Connor thing. And we seem to rest most of our players. They have played sort of what some of our other big players have one game on, one game off. Ross played last week. Strauss played this week. Evans didn't play the week before. Ostrakov did. Evans played this week. So there does seem to be at least a, a strategy behind rotating our players through the Challenge Cup. Um, giving some, you know, enough. They obviously hope there's enough senior players, and then give other people some game time, get some fitness in their legs, and hopefully that's enough to, to get the wins. So I think that they've got a strategy that they've stuck to since the beginning. Um, and actually, considering the fact that Bath played on the Friday night, we played on the Sunday, um, and then we played on this Saturday. You know, they're, they're going to have a couple of days extra rest than us, and with a quick turnaround, relatively quick turnaround for us. Um, I think it does make sense to take some fresh legs, especially in O'Connor and De Klerk, who you'd call out sort of game winners, fresh for the game against Bath. Yeah, I mean, I think when you take that holistic view, and, and we will preview Bath in a lot more detail later on, it does make sense to to, to give De Klerk, uh, well, De Klerk and O'Connor two week two weeks off, and obviously rotate some of the more senior members of the team uh, on a week one week on one week off basis. But like you said, at least there seems to be a strategy uh, in place for how we're going to manage the, the team throughout the rest of the season. Um, let's do some three word reviews got got loads of opinions on this um, as we always seem to do when uh, when there's a loss there's always more when we when we lose but uh, uh, Daniel Pot uh, dry weather team uh, Angus league over Europe uh, hashtag rugby sell sharks awful weather conditions Simon weird positional changes Jack Worthy TV curse again Robin Southern Prem more important Graham Douglas dull predictable inevitable a little bit negative there, but fair enough. Gavin Barber, like echoing James, opportunity thrown away. Uh, Damien Boswell, two wins needed. And Jonathan Tebbs, the sales TV curse. There's a really good one uh, that I've, I've actually now lost. This is my favourite out of all of them, but it was something on the lines of uh, Dimes is back. And I think that no, was... No, it was a question. It was, is Dimes back? And that was also my favourite. <laughs> yeah, no, well, obviously, I, I don't think we can chalk the loss up uh, uh, on Sunday down to Dimes' presence on the touchline. But I think, you know, a lot of those theory reviews, as they always do, touch upon some major points. Weather was awful. Um, you know, we're playing on TV. And we, we just can't seem to win there. You know, uh, difficult away game, no matter who you're playing, no matter what the, uh, what the tournament is. But... Uh, I echo your sentiments. I think it is a little bit disappointing that Sale didn't really make a proper go of it to to try and um, to try and get that challenge cup qualification. And you, do you expect now for those last two games uh, at home to Leon and away to lose to see Sale sort of continue to rotate and rest and put more put more emphasis on the Premiership? I do. I need to see the uh, the fixture list again uh, because I, I'm not sure if we go into the Anglo-Welsh after that in January. If, if we do, there might be an opportunity to throw a first choice side out for two, knowing that the two weeks rest after that. Um, so that's maybe something that we can check upon. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll 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 get right on that. But I think uh, I think it's clear, obviously, by by sales selection choices at the weekend that you know they are prioritising the Premiership, and I think that is becoming clear. And I think I think that is probably a, a, a fair. Um, a fair decision to be made because I think you look at the table, you look at where Sale were coming into the game, um, and obviously even if they had beaten Cardiff, 
uh, that still only put them two points clear at the top of the uh, the group. And with some big fixtures coming up uh, in both the Challenge Cup and the Premiership, you do get a sense that there has been a conscious decision made to say we need our big game players for, for games against Bath and Northampton and Gloucester rather than we do going away to start to lose where a result is a little bit, uh, a little bit more up in the air. Well, we, we, so I've just had a look and, and actually so we've got three big games in the Premiership we're, we're at home to Bath obviously this Saturday away at Gloucester uh, the Saturday after and then at home against Quinns the, the Saturday after that and you're hoping that whatever which way around we get two wins out of that um, in the Premiership and I think if we did that we will be in the top six mix. after that we then go at home on the Friday against Lyon I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't put we, we stuck to the strategy and mixed it around a bit I think um, Leon might send a weak inside and we might win by, by five points that gives us the opportunity to go to Toulouse and try and get a famous win in Toulouse and give ourselves every, every single chance because for the two weeks after that we are indeed in the Anglo-Welsh where I think that it is actually unlikely that we will qualify for that competition even though we've won two out of two just with the way that that bloody competition works so we know that at least some of our big senior players will be rested for those two weeks so so I think that does change things. I think a lot will depend on how some of our senior players come through these big three weeks in Premiership rugby, and you know who's carrying knocks and, and things like that. But I think it, it, I think they've shown that they'll make sensible decisions on players for that for those big Challenge Cup games. So let's just wait and see. You know, I think overall, I don't think the fans are going to be too disappointed. It's knocked out of the group stage. Mm-hmm. I think we've shown that we can compete in a reasonably difficult group. Cardiff have, have maybe surprised us. Um, a little bit in that group and, and Leon and Toulouse you know, were always going to be incredibly difficult Leon especially the uh, high flyers in the in the top 14 um, so um, it was always going to be a bit of a tricky one and I think we've we've not you know we've been competitive in, in pretty much every game yeah no I think I think that's a really good point to make is just how, how tough this group is because you look around and uh, with no disrespect to, the, to these teams but you know there isn't a there isn't a Russian team there isn't an Italian team um, you know the two teams that we do have from the Pro 14, uh, I think at the time when they, when the when Challenge Cup action began, I think they were like first and second or second and third or something. So you know, these are, these are very good French teams, and without that sort of buffer, as it were, of a, of an Italian or, or, or a Russian team. Last point on the on the rotation thing, though, actually, was that I've sort of noticed a pattern with Sale this season in that they seem to have these sort of chunks. So to start the season, all the main players played. I think it was six seven weeks in a row, and I'm wondering whether or not Sale have identified that next group of five fixes that you mentioned, the three in the Premiership and the two in the Challenge Cup, and said, and actually sort of t- taken a knee almost on this away game to Cardiff and think we're actually going to need though our big game players well rested for this big chunk of five games. We can take a loss away at Cardiff because they're probably going to win the group. However, if we can get our players rested, get them through the Premiership, which is more important, then we still got, they should still have enough juice uh, to go with those next two games in the Challenge Cup. So maybe... Maybe I'm giving the self-coaching staff too much credit. Maybe, uh, however, they're sort of looking at this and thinking, well, actually, we're better off. We've got to prioritise the Premiership over everything else. But if, if taking a loss in Cardiff means we can also, you know, play better in, in Toulouse and get a win there, then, then maybe, you know, Dimes and Co might, might prove to be, a, you know, a, a prescient of um, of exactly how, how to manage the squad. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about this was the this is the most interesting positional change I noticed. Uh, Solomona at thirteen. Now, obviously, it sounds like it was enforced because of the injury to Jennings. Um, but where do you stand on Solomona at thirteen? Do you think do you think this is a valuable strategy going forward, or do you think this is 
you know, des- desperation? Well, it's happened before. We tried it in pre-season. Uh, we were forced into the change earlier in the season as well. I think it was against Northampton with injuries that happened during that game. I think it's proven that Solomona can't defend the 13 channel. So defensively, he's a bit he's a bit of a liability in the 14 and in the 13 channel. Um, I think at the end of last year, it was against the Bath game, I saw him have the talent to be able to grab the ball more in central midfield and uh, use his strength and his step off his right foot to um, exploit weaknesses in the defence further in rather than just running up and down the touchline. So I think there's a lot of lot to be said for getting him on the ball more in, in midfield. But I think he's not ready defensively to play at 13. Having said that, we're short of centres at the moment. Um, and, you know, I think they... I think it was kind of enforced. Um, the, the positive spin on it is it's got to be good for his development as a rugby union player because it's forcing him to understand the defensive plays of the people who are inside it normally. And I do think that, you know, we know that defence is a team thing, how people communicate, understanding, you know, how the person inside you um, defends and therefore where you need to be positioned as a defender. And especially as a right winger, that's really, really important. So I think that, you know, someone like Sam James will probably look at it and go, well, actually, this is good because he's understanding how I have to defend in the 13 channel, and that might make him a better defender in the end as a 14. So, you know, if you look at it as part of development of the team and as of Solomon as an individual, there's definitely a positive. As an individual game in trying to win, really a high, high strategy. I think that's, that is a really interesting point about his development. And I think, I think it, I have been conscious this year that Solomon is getting the ball a little bit less. Teams seem to have keyed in on it, keyed in on him a little bit as part of the defensive game plan. And I noticed there's a couple of games earlier in the, uh, earlier in this month and last month where Marlon Yard saw a fair bit of the ball, Van Rensburg saw a bit of the ball, but Solomon really struggled to get any touches. And I think it, I truly believe that there is no more de- that one of the most devastating uh, attacking moves you can have is have that your winger coming in the midfield and use his pace to get past the twelve and past the thirteen and open up gaps. Um, you know, we saw it. Uh, we saw Anthony Watson do something similar against Toulon uh, over the weekend. So I think it is really interesting yeah. that if nothing else, Sale seems to be aware that Solomon is not getting as much of the ball as, as as he needs because that's where his strength is: is getting the ball and making something. Sometimes out of nothing, as we saw against Bath last year. Uh, and I give him the opportunity to play a little bit more in those 13 channels and actually get a better sense of where he can position himself and, and push forward. So I think, you know, again, let's, let's take the positive spin on it and, and say, you know, this could be uh, a, a game-breaking development for Solomona, especially if it helps his, de- his, uh, his defence uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, so- Solomona, Solomona's been scoring a bit, you know, he's less tries, isn't he? Um, it could be because he's getting marked, it, it could be because he just went through such a purple patch that it just it's impossible to maintain. Um, but I, I do think it's a good thing, you know, when you, you're presuming Yardy is coming back soon. We've not heard that he's been out injured for a long period, but he certainly missed the last three games. So uh, he's clearly got a knock. But, you know, with McGuigan back as well, I think it's going to put pressure on Solomon to perform on the wing. Solomon has not really had much rest this year. Yeah, um, he's played I think pretty much every game maybe apart from the Anglo-Welsh so um, you know it might be that he, he he's, he's in, in line for a, a rotation as well If Solomona last thing on Solomona if, if Solomona does have to be rotated out who do you think steps up into in, into those, those wing positions do you, do you assume it's Yard and, and McGuigan or 
Where does Dogwood fit fit into all this? That's 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 what I'm sort of wondering because it looks like Charlie's been relegated to Anglo Welsh duty at the moment. But if you have to drop Solomona for for a week or two just to give him give him time off, who becomes that third man on the bench? Is it Yard? Or, uh, sorry, is it Charlie or is it uh, a Dogwood? Well, well, uh, it depends if Addison's back fit. I think if Addison's fit, he might he might do that role uh, coming off the bench um, initially covering back three positions and centre as well um, you, you know you've only got a few options on, on the bench O'Connor I imagine might play 15 again yeah um, for the for the for the big games but he can cover across that as well um, I think in terms of the starting yeah absolutely Yard Yard played most of his rugby on the right wing for Quinns so you know that's Solomon's position um, I think we've seen Yardy on the left but uh, since he's come to stale, but absolutely right is where most of the experience are and we're going to mostly be on the left so I don't think it's an issue sort of with a bit of rotation and a bit of competition might be what Solomon needs sometimes you do go a bit stale you know when you're, you're turning up every week prepping for games um, you know doing the captain's run breaking down to all these different parts of the country for away games and stuff it can sometimes just be psychologically tiring as well as, mm. well as you know, because clearly, like on the wing, is less physically demanding than if you're playing uh, upper or something or, or loose head. So, you know, but it's still psychologically getting yourself up for every single game. So may, maybe a little rest is 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 planned. I, I do think it's doubtful that we're going to do it uh, for the bath for the bath game. Uh, but you never know; we might do it for the away game at Gloucester. Right, that's uh, that's enough speculation. It's time for some certainties. Uh, and the last thing we're going to say about the sort of South Cardiff stuff, uh, Alex can't be with us live recording tonight, but he has had the foresight to pre-record his stats segment. So uh, enjoy the dulcet tones uh, of Alex Ardlin in your ears for a few minutes as he dice- takes an analytical dissection of sales performance down in Cardiff on Sunday. Hello boys, um, sorry I can't be with you this week, I am deep in a mire of accounting exams but I'll be back with you soon. That said, there's nothing duller than accounting, other than it appears, a sale away game on telly. Uh, never say sale can't surprise you, after one of the dullest games in a long while last week, I like many others didn't think they could top it, but here we are. A 14-6 loss on Steve Diamond's first game back in the stadium, we should have really have seen this coming. Sale are still yet to win when the TV cameras are in town and Cardiff were always going to be on the hunt for revenge. Since the game is so uninspiring, let's try and liven it up with some stats. I bet you've never heard that before. Sale undoubtedly had the opportunity to win this game. We had 56% of territory, 56% of possession, which translated into 126 carries to Cardiff's 86, 443 metres to Cardiff's 324, and we hit the ball away, away less than Cardiff through more offloads and won 100% of our scrums. So where on earth did it all go wrong? Well, sales lineouts woes returned to haunt us this week, 13 out of 17, with Mark Jones missing 3 and Rob Webber 1. Uh, we conceded 16 turnovers, 11 penalties, although amazingly that's the same as Cardiff, so at least there's some joy there. And we missed 21 tackles for a tackle rate of 83%. Um, Not great, but not that bad. Then again, you put it in context with what I'm about to say. As soon as I looked at the stats this week, it was pretty obvious that Cardiff had performed better. Maybe not been on top of the game, but in the top fives. Let me talk you through these. The five top carriers, Cardiff have got four. The five top metre makers, Cardiff have got four. And... Of the five top tacklers, they've got the full house. Josh Nabidi really impressed in terms of stats this week. 
24 carries and 28 tackles, while Macaulay Cook steals the defensive headlines with a mammoth 30 tackles. And between the starting eight in the forwards, they made 160 tackles, which is just nuts. Sale's only respectable contender in these top fives is Mike Haley's 110 metres, made in what we might tentatively call his return to form, with 71 of those metres coming from kick return and 34 metres from two carries in open play. Denny Solomona produced the best average with 10.3 metres per carry over his four carries, while Josh Strauss gave us a solid 40 metres from eight carries. We might have seen some better returns had we not dropped the ball eight times out of our 16 turnovers, and we conceded 11 of those in the halfway to opposition 22. So, yet again, crucial times, we're just not performing under the pressure. Arguably, though, the tail of the day is one of players out of position. Sam James at fly-off had tackle success of 33%. And that's not down to Sam James. The stats this season have shown that Sam's a great cover defender at 13. But you put him at 12 or you put him at 10 and his tackle rate just drops. Denny put in a good defensive performance this week. He had an 80% tackle completion, which for Denny is actually probably better than when he's normally on the wing. But imagine the metres he would have made playing in his actual position. And Sale deviated from type with all their backs playing 80 minutes while only three forwards did. Perhaps following our forwards really is the future. My player of the week this week was a tough call, but then I took the whole Cardiff team out of the equation, so it became much easier. A special mention to Denny, who performed admirably at centre, but I think my player of the game, from a stats point of view, has to go to Cameron Neal, who made 14 tackles, 16 carries for 35 metres, never dropped the ball once, unlike the rest of the team, and generally proved that playing him at hooker is a silly idea when he's a brilliant six. So there we are. A somewhat expectedly disappointing set of stats, I think I'll call those. I'll be back next week with more, but as always, a massive thanks to Opta for these stats, which make my spreadsheet dreams come true. And a quick reminder that if you ever have any stats questions or things you'd like me to look into, let me know on Twitter. I'm at Alexander Odlin, or hit me up on the Shark Tank page. Until then, I'll see you all next week. Back to you, boys. Right, we keep teasing it. Sales game against Bath on Saturday. Let's... Uh... Let's get straight into it. I mean, uh, you've obviously, as always, prepared uh, prepared a nice comprehensive preview of, of the team and, uh, and how they're doing. I'm going to take a little different tack this week with uh, a little bit more uh, to and fro because otherwise I wouldn't have anything to say. Uh, so, yeah, let's just jump straight into it. Huge game on Saturday. Uh, tell us what we need to know about Bath. Well, I think, you know, Bath are in, they're in good form at the moment. Um, a bit like we've been, to be honest, but they just look a little bit of a different level to us. Um, so in the Premiership, they've played ten, won six. When you consider, you know, we've won four and should have won probably three more than that. Maybe they're not a better, better side. But if you look at their form over the last few games, so they got two wins in the uh, in November, two wins in the Anglo-Welsh versus Irish and Leicester. Uh, they won in the Premiership away at Irish and then at home to Quinns easily but then was smashed away at Exeter well you know we know what that feels like <laughs> um, and then two very good performances in the uh, Champions Cup they lost a close game in Toulon and then they won the return leg um, on TV last last Friday in what I thought was a fantastic performance did you manage to catch any of that? No, I, I I wasn't able to in the end, but I did. Uh, I, I have seen a couple of the tries, and I've seen that. Uh, I saw Anthony Watson sort of just run straight through the Toulon defence like it wasn't there, and uh, it were made for uh, maybe scintillating viewing, at least uh, at least on the highlight show. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you know Anthony Watson actually had a very very good game, and maybe he's growing into 
the, the 15 jersey I think for Bath it's very very much like well actually they are a bit of a better balanced side when Homer plays at 15 and Watson plays on the wing um, and you know for, for, for them you know with their with their wingers I think one of the big surprises has been uh, Alec Brew yeah um, just just signed a new deal as well uh, earlier this afternoon he? yeah yeah Okay, I'm not surprised, you know, because I think he's like the Alan Brew of eight years ago, you know, where he's kind of this quick, strong guy coming out of Wales who looked like he could play a lot of internationals for Wales. And then he had a lot of injuries um, and just and just seemed to go backwards in his career. He, he went on a short contract to Bath um, because they were just so short of players. He was released by Newport. Um, so, you know, things were going great for him in his career. He's just had a new lease of life, hasn't he? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I'm there's two things that always amaze me about Bath. Number one is the fact that their uh, injury list uh, is always so long, uh, year in year out. And number two is the amount of players they turn over in the course of a year. And I know last year it was put down a little bit to Blackadder coming in and not having the full summer to to do his recruitment. Uh, and the like, but I mean, just the amount of players you, you see, you know, week in week out, that Daniel Evans at uh, down in uh, down in Bath is reporting is going to sign a new deal at uh, uh, at the club is is phenomenal, and and you know, I I think Bath, I mean, look, I think if you throw enough stuff at the wall, something's going to stick, but they do have this ability to just sort of pick up one or two players out of nothing, like you said about Brew, uh, who was released from Newport, and then they signed him, and he's, he looks like a world beater. You know, and I think it's just it's it's a little bit diamond desk in the in this sort of picking up scraps off the uh, off the off the heap uh, and turning them into you know really solid Premiership players. But that look, definitely looks like something Bath uh, have been able to do. And obviously having that in combination with with their star players, with their Anthony Watsons, the the Rocket Dragoonies, uh, formerly obviously it used to be Joe, uh, George Ford, but now it's um, uh, and now it's Freddie Burns. You know, it, it supplements that team so well. And they always just seem to have. Somebody there to to make a to make an impact, um, much in the way that Alad Brewer has done the last couple of weeks, and obviously taking some of the pressure off 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 the likes of Jonathan Joseph and, and Anthony Watson. Yeah, and I wonder actually how much of that is down to Blackadder and his ability as a coach, not just to to pick people to fill in, but you know, a couple of seasons ago they all had a lot of injuries, and and you know, we're right down with the dead men, really. Um, you know, sort of splitting with uh, with going down. Um, that's when Mike Ford was sacked. Blackadder came in. He's getting a lot out of his team. You mentioned injuries. I mean, their front row. I mean, they've you know, basically only had sort of three fit front rows to, to, to pull out for most of this season. And they've found Abano as a loose head uh, and Dunn, who I just I just couldn't rate at all uh, over the last two seasons. Couldn't understand how he's a rugby player. Um, and then Max Laheef, who I thought was average loose head at London Irish went off to Australia to make the Australian side and didn't do anything over there for the Rebels and they sort of came back has been converted to a tight head yeah. um, by Bath and suddenly the Urbano Dunleaf front row <laughs> is taking everybody apart and, and, and now they've been bolstered by the return of Nick Autorak and Henry Thomas onto the bench too and I wonder those two are kind of like you know cheerleaders like maybe the future of, of, of the English front row and now they're looking at this thinking, well, I can't get in, into the side. Um, I don't know if you, if you saw Lewis, but um, done. He, <laughs> he's tackle, tackling. Did you see the stats for uh, for last week? Yeah, wasn't it? He's made the most in the Champions Cup. And he has, was it, how many was it last week? Was it like 13 or was it more? 33. 
33 tackles it. in the game against Toulon, breaking <laughs> the record that he himself had set the week before in Toulon. Um, and he did 33 last week. That's insane. You see, I knew there was a, I knew there was a three in there somewhere, but I, uh, I uh, wasn't sure if it was just the one or the two. And I thought, hang on, 33 tackles, there's no way that's... Uh, uh, that can be accurate, but uh, but but there we go. I mean, it just uh, defies logic. I always thought the record didn't didn't Jack Berger have thirty seven for Saracens once? I thought that was the record. I don't I, I don't know though. Maybe, but maybe that was in the Premiership. I don't know. Potentially, um, yeah. But that, that yeah. that's an insane stat. And, uh, and Urbano was the one I was uh, I was going to come to, but I couldn't. I actually couldn't remember his name. But it's just these these players that sort of out of nowhere have just been turned into these really serviceable. Uh, if nothing else, Premiership players, and it just makes Bath a, a, a much more dangerous team, and and it's no wonder that they're uh, they're pushing the top four again. Yeah, I mean, it just brings competition into the squad that maybe they didn't know they didn't know they had, and I think a lot goes out to Toby Booth as well. I mean, you know, that wasn't long ago that he was a head coach, stroke director of rugby at Irish. Yeah, and you know, he's the forwards coach there. And, you know, I think he does a, does a does a lot with them. You look at the second row; they've got sort of Charlie Yules who. You know, it's, it's kind of not talked about enough, in my view. You know, because of the the depth of strength of the England second rows with the Toji and Cruz and Launchbury and Laws. But I think Yule's at 22. You know, he's a year younger than the Toji. I think he is going places because he's going to be an absolute monster. He's already then, he is already in the England squad as well, isn't he? He's on the sort of yeah. uh, periphery, like he's he's sort of the fifth locket out of uh, out of five. But he is he is there and he is getting recognition by the England setup. Yeah, well, Atosha's injured at the moment, and uh, you know, Laws and Atosha are both getting game time in the back row. So he 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 is seen, I think, as as a potential to compare at twenty two. He's got plenty of time, and he's obviously learning off Luke Charteris. I mean, he, Charteris hasn't hit the heights at Bath, but you know, he's he's in his mid thirties now, and I, I still think you know, when you're six foot ten, he, he does the job. Especially, I think Charteris' strength is is um, it is stopping opposition rolling malls. Yeah. Um, and he, he is fantastic at that job and, and Elliot Stook's been getting a lot of a lot of game time he kind of was just Joe Average at um, Gloucester um, and, and he's playing absolutely excellently for, for, for that where I think we've got a chance is maybe a little bit in the back row Lowe's band Falatau is out with injury um, look out for Zach Mercer you know, he's, he's highly thought of individually he's in the practice in the England but, but I think that that is an area where we where we should be expecting to be on top. I think we've, you and I have discussed this quite a lot, haven't we, about our back row and actually, yeah. maybe I think we've, I mean, you, you tell me what you think, Lewis. Do you think that overall our back row kind of, ha- kind of hasn't performed to the level that we expect with the signings of Strauss and Ross? I think absolutely. I think, you know, it, it does take time for players to bed in and there is a lot of, you know, roster turnover, uh, especially this year. But I think, there are two. There are two areas where, which I'm, I'm a little bit worried about. Number one is ball carrying because we, we talk about this a lot off air, and it's a case of Josh Strauss is a very, very good ball carrier. Doesn't necessarily do everything else around the pitch. You know, he doesn't jackal. He doesn't really jump in the lineup. So you really want to what you want to see from him is ball carrying. And I think he had a bit of a slow start. He was he was fine. He was making you know. 30 metres off 10 carries which is okay but it isn't Scott, uh, you know, Scottish tier 1 international quality I think that's starting to change now and you know, he is, he's starting to, to write together the performances but I think the problem is you have Strauss and you have John O'Ross and we, we say every week John O'Ross is very, clearly very well thought of but 
on the field, his impact has been a little bit muted. He's a volume carrier rather than an impact carrier, a bit like Bill in the same way that TJ Iwani is. And you, I am a bit concerned that between the two of them, there is enough talent and strength and ability, especially in terms of like offloading, which I think Ross is very good at, um, to really sort of propel sail forward, especially given how light their second row is, uh, relatively speaking. But I am a bit concerned that we're not really seeing that. The other thing is something Alex has touched upon a, a couple of times, is that we don't really have a jackal. And the problem is, with obviously it doesn't help that Tom Curry is injured, which has meant Ben Curry's had to take the, the, the lion's share of, uh, of starts, because obviously at the, earlier in the season they were rotating week in, week out. But the Currys are so good at everything that it does make you... It does make me worry a little bit that they're going to develop into these wonderful five-tool players who are jacks of all trades, but masters of none. Which means, I think the Currys, you know, because of their ridiculous amount of strength and, and turnover ability and, and on-field on-field um, vision, that they could easily be in that sort of Pocock Hooper mould eventually. I mean, that is a high bar to set, but I think the Currys have that in them. But I think because the ball carrying has been a little bit muted from Strauss and Ross, you've seen. Ben and Tom Curry having to do a little bit more of the carrying and a little bit more of the link-up play. And I think that means they're expending more energy going forward than they would be uh, if they weren't uh, if they were able to just sort of tackle everyone and get over the ball. Because we've seen both Currys uh, win, uh, you know, strip the ball in tackles and make turnovers, you know, getting over the ball on on the, on the turf. But I do worry that we have a volume carrier in John O'Ross, a slightly better volume carrier in Josh Strauss. And a sort of jack of all trades in Ben Curry, but the problem is, no one's really filling any of that specialist uh, that 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 sort of those sort of specialist roles that you need um, to sort of form an effective back row. Do you, do you think I'm being a little bit unfair there, or do do you think that's that's sort of where where you're coming from as well in terms of of, of sales back row, perhaps not being as as, as dominant as balanced as we as as we would uh, would have expected? Yeah, I think. Uh... John Ross has, has, has slowly improved, especially in the last couple of weeks. I'd agree on the volume carrying bits. Um, I think it's not necessarily an issue. You look at someone like Dan Lydia, even at his best, he did a lot of the heavy duty carrying, but he, you know he wasn't somebody who'd be bursting over the game line. He's somebody that you know he's, he's sort of he was uh, he retained possession well. So things like carrying off uh, restarts and stuff like that, you know, off the first breakdown. Um, to make sure that we recycle possession and I think that's what Ross does I just worry that sometimes actually he goes in a bit high into contact and actually he's a risk to, to turn over um, with Strauss in, in his best games to sale he has managed to get over the gain line but I don't think he's somebody in this sort of Chabal mode who's going to be bursting through tackles and creating havoc again he does a lot of the hard graft but he can be marked one-on-one. I think you're being slightly harsh on the Curries. I think it's the rule changes that made it very difficult for all sevens to compete at the breakdown in the same way as they did. Um, and uh, the Curries last season had an enormous amount of uh, turnovers. Um, I also think that Tom is probably slightly better on the floor than Ben. But, um, you know, I think it's not uh, it's not just them. I think sevens across the Premiership have, have actually struggled a little bit with, with turnovers. I, uh, I, I'm always amazed that you can tell Tom and Ben apart because I mean I think we, we're starting to get enough volume of work that we can start to differentiate between the two but but for me you know they they, they they literally look the same they're built in the exact same way in terms of like muscle and strength and stuff I'm, I'm amazed you can tell them apart but perhaps you've got an eye for these things better than I have 
Well, I definitely think in their attacking play, they attack differently. And they're more noticeable in the, in the attacking play. Because Ben, I think, prefers to be a bit further out and run the channels like a centre would. Whereas Tom Curry prefers to be a first receiver and either take into contact or offload to a secondary runner. That tends to be how they, they, they like to be used. Um, and I think that could work if they were a sort of a double act six and seven. Um, but that would put a huge onus, I think, on on a, on a tight carrier at eight. So, uh, you know, that's maybe something to look out for the future. And and, and, and in some more, you know, could he be that, could he, could he be that man? Um, but look, just going back to the to the bath to the bath sort of review uh, or preview even, and, and you mentioned Freddie Burns, but actually he's had very little game time. Um, bath have been at their best, and their first choice by half this year has been Reese Priestland. He's been in a fantastic form for them, um, and as always with Bath, they've always got sort of one top ten. Uh, fly off one top fly off just being completely wasted <laughs> I mean in the past that was Priestland and George Ford played every game Priestland sat on the bench I mean what a waste of Priestland's career for two years and now suddenly Freddie Burns has is, is gone from sort of genuine uh, rotation at Leicester with uh, Owen Williams to actually being clear second choice at Buff at the moment he has played a few games but he's also been playing Anglo Welsh and things like that so Priestland's the man Priestland he's a confidence player we can match them up front on the front foot you know also if he misses his first couple of kicks things like that then we've got a chance of rattling him so where do you think we've, we've touched upon a lot of different elements here where do you think Sale's advantage you know truly lies how, how are they going to win this game do you think? Do you still think it's in the back row or are there other areas where Sale can sort of uh, twist the knife and, and, and get a genuine advantage over Bath yeah I think there are I think they're both they're both linked so I think um, the set piece and in the back row. I mean, as, as so often, that is where a, where a game is won. But I think it's absolutely essential against Bath because you look at the Chiefs game that they played, and I watched a lot of that game. And basically, they lost the collisions and struggled, and they didn't dominate the set piece. Bath on the front four is going to be an issue with Joseph and Watson having time on the ball. Um, that that's a problem, even without the likes of Palatau, etc. Palatau uh, is also a great line-out option. So, you know, the, there's a few maybe chinks in the armour that we can go for, but I think the key is we need to win those first-up collisions. We need to get over the game line, we need to smash them on the game line, and, you know, we need to win enough ball. So, for me, just to sort of move it forward onto, you know, onto your uh, sort of predictions, I think... Sale will have to have their best game of the season to win, actually. I think that, that Bath are on a bit of a high. If you beat too long, you're going to be on a high. And, and when best is to do it than just before Christmas, where we've got what should be a big crowd, I imagine we get you know at least 8,000 plus and, and hopefully we can up to, towards that mark. Uh, and also putting us right in, if we win this, it'd be good to get your opinion on this, but I think it puts us in the mix of top six. But also, and I think this is really important, it gets in the mix just at the right time for the transfer season. Um, we want to be going into the 1st of January looking like top six is a genuine uh, option, but an opportunity for the club, but also that we are on a clear upward curve that people want to join our adventure. What, what's your, what do you say on that? Yeah, so th- those are two really good points. I've got the table up at the moment, and Sale are currently ninth on 23 points, but the gap between Sale and ninth and Bath in, in fourth is only seven points. You know, that's, that's, that's two wins. 
Uh, and if obviously if Sale win and results go their way, they can jump up to seventh uh, and be a, be a point behind Leicester, uh, depending on how how everything shakes out uh, over the weekend. But I think that that's an absolutely crucial point. And I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why it didn't come to pass in the end. But you look at the George Ford stuff last year, where Sale were very heavily linked. Well, at the time, we were tenth or eleventh. And we then lost all our games in January whilst whilst this was ongoing. We were actually this was when we were on that nine game losing streak. And obviously I'm sure there's plenty of other things that, that had an impact, but you're absolutely right. If you're trying to sell a player like George Ford, who has, you know, a, a plethora of options of where to go, you've got to be selling him on like, yes, we're on an upward curve, yes, we're in the mix for top six. And a win over Bath on, on Saturday absolutely does that. Because even if even if Harlequins and Newcastle, who are seventh and eighth, you know, both win as well, it, it just means they'll keep pace with everybody else, and we're right in the mix because at the moment there are genuinely ten teams who could finish in the top six, which is which is, uh, you know, indicative of just how competitive the league is. But you're absolutely right; there are still holes in in Sales' team that definitely need addressing. You know, we need a tier one international, uh, you know, loose head. Uh, or, or, or a lock or, or both you know and I think it makes it a, a much easier to attract those players uh, if you're in the top six it, it's also a lot easier when you've got a lot of money which they do have now but you do need you do need that, that sort of clear pathway to, to European success because at the end of the day uh, if you're George Ford or, or any of the other players that have sailed been linked with in recent years no one wants to come play in the Challenge Cup no matter what no matter what happens with Rohan Janzi van Rensburg you know that's, that, that's, that's the key point but yeah, I mean, just just talking off the field, you, you talked about having a bumper crowd, and it is by all means supposed to be the biggest one of the season. Today, it was announced that that, that pissing access bridge, you know, uh, across the motorway connecting the AJ Bells to the Travel Centre, is finally going to be open. I think it opens uh, either today or tomorrow. Everything's been signed off; it's all clear. I mean, I believe it when I see it, but. It isn't a problem for me getting to games, but I know for a lot of people it will make their journey to the AJ Bell uh, a lot simpler. So that that is hopefully another uh, a, a, another influence that should hopefully give uh, give Sale the sort of bumper crowd that their play is, uh, is is allowing them to start to deserve. I think. But so given what you said about how Sale are going to beat Bath, what changes would you make to the, that twenty three? Like you know, you, you you talk about you know winning the collisions and, and beating them up front. You know what what changes would you make if uh, you know if you were in the position to do so? Well, I think we all we all pretty much know our first choice side. I mean, it's something like you know Harrison Weber um, and probably at the moment Griff John, yep. um, who's definitely definitely improving every game. I think I think Ostrakov and Evans will play in the second row uh, and not on the bench. Uh, the back row will be Ross Strauss and Ben Curry. Halfbacks will be De Klerk, I think, and McGinty. The centres will be... Uh, this one will be a difficult call, but I think they'll go Van Rensburg and James, with Jennings coming off the bench for impact, especially if he was carrying a knock last week. Um, and I think it'll be Solomona and McGuigan on the wings, and O'Connor at fullback. So I, I don't think there's much room. I think we all know what the best 23 is. You know, Jones will be on the bench... Um, and uh, so we'll probably if Yardy's fit he'll be on the bench but who knows what's happened with Addison but there won't be a 10 covering on the bench because you've got O'Connor and James starting yep. in the first 15 um, so I think it's I don't think there'll be any surprise I think we'll pick what is clearly our first choice side here's, here's one name that I think might be in contention and, and you know this, this might be a little bit out there does do you put TJ Iwani in 
you know, you talk about winning those collisions up front, and I don't know who he comes in for because he's not an eight, and John Ross is, is the de facto captain with Addison out. But I'd be really interested to see whether or not TJ Wan, if he doesn't start at least get, you know, 35, 40 minutes off the bench, because for me, everything you've said uh, about this game and how Sell are going to win just screams TJ Yuani to me. Oh God, I hope it doesn't also scream a 6-2 bench. Um, <laughs> but no, I think I think Yuani will be the bench man because he can cover 6-7 or 8. I know he's not an 8, I know whatever, but um, Ross could probably move the weight. I think he, he'll be the impact man off the, off the bench um, in, the, in the forwards. Quick question for you, who's the better number, who's the better not number 8? John Ross or TJ Iwani? I mean, John Ross is miles better number eight than uh, than TJ Iwani. TJ Iwani, he struggles in decision making. Yeah, and I think with Ross, at least he can get that right. Um, and I think uh, you know he played. I've watched him play at eight loads of times for Stade Français um, when Parise was away with Italy and uh, or was injured, and and he always did a he always did a good job. Okay, right. Uh... Anything else you want to mention on, on the Bath game or do you want to go straight to predictions? I think, I think what, what's your prediction? What, what's what's going to happen? We're all going to be there. We'll get onto that in a second. Um, and uh, how do you think it's going to end up? So let's scrape it. Yeah, I'm, I'm quietly confident. Saturday at three o'clock, hopefully dry conditions. AJ McGinty at 10, which I think is really important and, and James O'Connor at 15. In theory, you know, a, a, a decent crowd to get behind the team. I, I can see Sale doing it. And I think we beat them. We beat... Bath at home last year I think both teams have probably improved about the same amount so you know by, by that logic you would I, I think it's reasonable to expect Sale to, sale to win I mean it, as it always is with Sale I know it's going to be close I think I'm I'd love to say we, you know, we're going to beat them by 15 points but it is never that simple but that being said having McGinty on the bench uh, 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 starting is going to be so key because in a game like this where Sale have to win just having that option of, of, a, of an 80-85% kicker um, to just you know keep the scoreboard ticking over and, and knocking uh, three points uh, over from 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 anywhere is is going to be so important. So I'm going to say twenty three nineteen to sale. What about what about you, James? Where do, where does uh... that's hilarious because I've got it written here sale twenty two bath twenty one. I think <laughs> it's going to be squeaky bum time, and I'm just going to have to hope that I've had enough mulled wine and uh, real ale to. Uh, and not get too stressed out about it but um, yeah I think it's going to be like the Leicester game of a couple of years ago where it just went it, you know we sort of depending on our lives the last 10 minutes and I can see one of these but you've, you, we've just got I've just got to stay positive because I know that if we lose it literally ruins my whole Christmas <laughs> um, literally I don't care what I get as a present if say or lose on the 23rd it, especially in a tight game it's going to just massively depress me so uh, come on, sale! You can do it. Yeah, it definitely puts a downer on uh, on the festivities a couple of days later, doesn't it? Right? Do you want to do you want to do your little announcement? I know you. I know you're excited to to reveal all. Yeah. So uh, this is a shout out to all of our listeners, uh, all three and a half of you, uh, and a dog. Um, but uh, we, all three of us are going to finally be together. Um, me, Lewis, and Alex at the game against Bath on Saturday. We're going to be in the Sharky um, from 1.30. We'll all be in there at 1.30. We'll be armed with real ale. Uh, please do come along and join us. Um, get your bitter, get your mince pies, whatever it is, um, and come and have a chat. It'd be great to, to meet some of you. 
how we interact a lot with you you guys on, on Twitter and on Facebook and, and, and otherwise. It'd be great to put a face to a name and, you know, we can uh, have a little chat, think about the game. And also, it'd be great to get some feedback on the, uh, on the pod and what we can look to improve and shake up for the next year. Oh, I couldn't, couldn't put it better better myself. Uh, yeah, just want to just want to reiterate everything that James has said. Uh, we're all going to be at the game. We're going to be taking lots of selfies. Going to be having a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, as sell triumphs to victory over Bath. But yeah, no, please, you know, please do come down. Please come say hello. Um, you know, I think it's going to be pretty obvious which ones we are. If if you do need a point, so I'm the six foot four one with with really blonde hair. Uh, so that should be easy enough to spot uh, in the Sharky, no matter how many people come through the gates. Um, you know, we, we do really appreciate all the feedback we get, and, and like James says, it's nice to put some names to faces. You know, it will be uh, it'll be the first time meeting, hopefully meeting a lot of you guys. Uh, and yeah, we just want to. You know, this is exactly why we do the podcast. We just want to just want to sit around and talk sale until uh, until uh, Carl's come home. So yeah, I think. Yeah, and also, you know, we'll be there with friends and family of our own. Um, so you know, bring bring your bring your friends, bring bring your family along um, as well, and uh, hopefully we can get a good atmosphere going in the Sharky anyway, and, and nice and early enough time to get um, two or three pints in before kickoff. And I believe that the club is doing the uh, the free mince pies and, and mulled wine offer again. So if you really needed another incentive to come down and say hello to us, uh, there it is. You know, you, you get a chance of getting a free mince pie uh, as well. But well, I think that's it. We've done our predictions. Um, Alex is uh, is sorely missed, but um, he will be back next week. Um, yeah, I think that's that's everything. I will uh, I'll see you Saturday, James. Yeah, and you, mate. Look forward to uh, to seeing you then, and hopefully a, a few others too. Yep. Right. We'll see you guys Saturday, and we'll talk to you next week.